if you think about it, Rabbi Akiva could have said, I just lost 24,000 students. I'm uh, literally, he was probably 100 years old at the time. I'm done. I'm going to Miami Beach and I'm retiring. He says he went to the South and he found these five students who he was able to transmit the Torah to. And those five students, they were basically the ones who, uh, who continue the Torah. All the Torah is through them. So the, I, I think one of the reasons we say that Lagba Omer, Lagba Omer is, uh, is a holiday is because that's the day that they were able to continue the, the Torah. Because, because I, I think that one of the reasons we say that 24,000 students died, it says they didn't, respect one, they didn't respect one another, whatever that means. But it means, I think, that they weren't worthy of transmitting the Torah to the next generation. So you needed these to come and transmit the Torah. So Lagma Omer, I think, is really a celebration because that's the day he started teaching those five students. Who were those five students? If you think about it, Rabbi Meir Baal Hanes, who we, you know, was uh, the, the Gemara is basically around him. The Gemara around him was amazing. The one when he went with his sister, that was... Rabbi Meir Baal Hanes, exactly. Then you have Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, who's the one who codified the Mishnah. You have Rabbi Yossi, if you go through the Zohar, it's all Rabbi Yossi all over. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, obviously, and then Rabbi Nechemiah, the, the, the fifth one. Now the interesting thing is Rabbi Akiva, he dies before he could give them smicha. Because remember, the Romans had outlawed teaching of Torah. And what happened is they arrested Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva, they put him in jail. And when they put him in jail, it's interesting because the Gemara says that what happened... Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai came to Rabbi Akiva in jail. And he says to him, teach me Torah. And Rabbi Akiva says, no. Uh, why would he say no? Because Rabbi Akiva said, they already arrested me. And I'm in jail. I'm going to teach you. They're going to arrest you. And I did it in public in order that people should know they should continue to learn Torah. People are learning privately. We don't need to make another public scene. What happens? Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai actually tells Rabbi Akiva... If you don't teach me Torah, I'm going to tell my father, Yochai, to report you to the Romans. Meaning, they'll kill you. That means that Shimon Bar Yochai, his father, had to be not just a very wealthy guy, right? He had to be a very powerful guy. And you have to think about that when you see the, the thoughts of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. Because Rav Shimon Bar Yochai says that a person should only learn in this world. They should only learn. They shouldn't do the work. And we see that Rabbi Ishmael, no, they should work and they should learn. You need part and part because you need to support yourself. So it says there are those who went like Rabbi Ishmael, they succeeded. Those that went like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, they failed. But if you think of it, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and all the kolels use Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. That's the, the reason. The kolel is you should only learn because Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai only learns. But realize who's Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. His father is Yochai. That means that my, my friend, one of my friends used to say that, it's, that, he had, that Shimon Bar Yochai had a PhD. A PhD was Papa has dough. So he says that Papa has dough. So Rav Shimon Bar Yochai was very wealthy. And since he was very wealthy, he can say that a person should only learn Torah. But if you think of it also, when he had to run away from the Romans, he lived in a cave with his son for 13 years, and all they ate in the cave was uh, Karen. Now, you have to think of it now in different terms. Here's a guy who grew up with a silver spoon. He had everything that life could want, right? And now, he's living in a cave to learn Torah, 
and all he's, all he's living off of is carob and water. So that sacrifice that he made is much more than a poor guy's sacrifice because he lived a good life. And it's very hard when you live a good life to then go and tell a guy you're going to live this, this poor life. And it's interesting, one of the things, so, so he argues with Rabbi Akiva to teach him Torah. Rabbi Akiva says, the truth is, I really want to teach you Torah more than the, 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 uh, the calf wants the nurse from its mother, the cow wants to give milk. I want to teach you Torah, but I don't want you to get killed. And what does he answer, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai? He tells his rabbi, but if, if, the, if the calf doesn't nurse, the calf is going to die. He says, so you have to teach me. So he gives him five pieces of advice. One of the pieces of advice is very interesting. And again, it shows his wealth. Because he tells him that if you, when you have land and you have people you want to you, you wanna, you wanna rent the land to, rent the land to them not for money. Let them give you a portion of the, the, the produce that they grow. Why should you give them a portion of the produce that you grow? Because if you give them the portion of the produce, you'll eat well, you'll eat fresh produce. They also won't be under pressure to pay. They'll give you a percentage of whatever they make and everyone is successful. And how could he tell him this is his advice? Because obviously he owned, he owned land because his father was very wealthy. He was a very important guy. And this also explains when he spoke against the Romans, you don't think thousands of Jews spoke against the Romans? The Romans were persecuting everyone. So what happened? They have the, the Gemara in Daf 33 in Shabbat. It says, they're sitting down and they're talking about the Romans. They built the bathhouse, they built the roads, they built the marketplaces. So he says, all of this they did for them, all of this they did for prostitution, all of this they did against us. And what do they do? They put a death sentence against him. But why would you put a death sentence against some guy speaking about them in the middle of the marketplace? Who cares? Because his father was Yochai. His father was a big guy. So he was connected to a big guy. So you can't get a big guy to talk about the government negatively like that. And therefore there was a death sentence. And when you think of that, it changes a lot of the perspective on Rav Shimon Bar Yochai and his whole life. What I think is also very interesting is the way, just, just, the, just the end, just the, because it's, so Rabbi Akiva could not give them smicha. He was not able to give them smicha. Why? Because, because the Romans were going to kill anyone who gave smicha. Not only that, it said that whoever, whoever gave smicha, what happened? The person who gave smicha would be killed. The person who got the smicha would be killed. And everyone who lived in the town where the smicha was given, those people would be killed as well. So there was a rabbi, he was an associate of, of Rabbi Akiva. And what did he do? He took them out to a place between two mountains. And in this place between two mountains, he, uh, he, he, his name was Ben Baba. He took them to a place between two mountains. And he was in between two cities. So two cities, he wasn't in a city. He wasn't in anywhere. And he was in between the two Tehum Shabbat. And there he spent the day teaching them the secrets of the Torah, and those five students he gave smicha that day. What happened to him? While he was in the middle of giving the smicha, the Romans came to come to kill them. He told the five students, go, you need to go and run, and you need to continue the Torah. And he stood between the path of the two mountains, and he did some Kabbalistic something, and it says that the Romans shot him with 300 arrows, and they still couldn't get through to him until they killed him. 
So, the whole story, Rabbi Akiva, he, Rabbi Akiva is buried near Meron. Uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is buried in, in Meron. So another interesting thing, just to end with this. So on the 28th, we have the, we have the 18th of Iyar is, uh, is, uh, is Lag Ba'omer. The 28th is Yom Yerushalayim. We have a custom, and we don't know where's the custom, that people take their kids and they cut their hair by the tomb of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Where do we have this custom from? So Rabbi Chaim Vital, he, does, he says that he, he knows that Rabbi Nohari took his family to the tomb of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai on Lag. And not because it's his Hilulah, not because he died. To say he died, it doesn't make any sense. To say he died and we're going to celebrate the day he died, it only makes sense based on the Chidah, that that's the day he started to learn, that's the day he taught, and that's the day he got smicha, and that's a day of learning, a day of rebirth. But he took his, his children there. He says, but where did the custom come to cut hair? So we know on the 28th of Iyar, it says in Shulchan Aruch, in I think 581 and 2, it says that on the 28th of Iyar, who died? Shmuel Hanavi, Samuel the prophet. And if you go to where Samuel is buried, it's, it's, it's the most beautiful. My daughter told me how they made the, the place beautiful. It says, in the Middle Ages, people would make a pilgrimage always to the kever of Shmuel Hanavi. Shmuel Hanavi, and imagine now, 28th of Iyar is also Yom Yerushalayim. Something unbelievable. So when they went to make the, the pilgrimage to his kever outside, right outside Jerusalem, what they do? Remember, he was a Nazir. He didn't cut his hair his whole life. So they would bring their children for the first haircut. Where would they do it? At the kever of Shmuel Hanavi. What happens, the Marmelukes wouldn't let them go near Jerusalem. Where did the Jews go in the 16th century? They couldn't be in Jerusalem. So where did they settle? By Sfat, by Tiberius. So what happened? Since they couldn't bring their children to cut the hair on the 28th of Iyar by the Kever of Shmuel Navi, where did they take their children to cut the hair? To Meron, to Shimon Bar Yochai, and they moved it to the 18th to be to Lag Ba'omer. So you have to understand the etymology of all of the... the, the, the uh, the customs that we have. But I think it's just a beautiful thing because if you think of the 28th of Iyar and Shmuel Hanavi, who did Shmuel Hanavi make a king? David HaMelech. And David HaMelech is completely associated with what? With Yerushalayim. There's no Yerushalayim without, Shalom, without, Shmuel, without David HaMelech. So Shmuel HaNavi having his yard site on the 28th, maybe it's in Zichut that all the people who made a pilgrimage to Yerushalayim to pray that Hashem should give back Yerushalayim through Shmuel HaNavi on the 28th, that then we would zocher on the 28th, that that should be the day of Yom Yerushalayim. So I think it's just a little more to think about on Lag Ba'omer than what we think about on Lag Ba'omer. It just takes us to another uh, level. Baruch Amen Amen. We say the Zohar is, is written by Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. Obviously he didn't write it. It was written by people after him. But it was a collection of manuscripts from the second century. Those manuscripts from the second century made their way through a thousand years. We know that the Rishonim had access to those manuscripts, but we don't have it written until Moshe de Leon in the 13th century. He publishes the Zohar. So many people say he wrote it on his own. He took the manuscripts that were handed down generation to generation, put it in. But why did he publish it in 13th century Spain? 13th century Spain was the golden age 
of Jews in Spain. They had achieved the highest level of Jews anywhere in the world until that time. And what was happening to them? They were becoming very secular. They were becoming secular and they were affected by the Goyim around them and they were giving up their religion. So by the Zohar coming in, the Zohar told you that man has more in purpose in life than just doing mitzvot. His purpose in life is to, is to fix the world, to correct the world, to change the world. And it brought spirituality to what might have been a dry religion in 12th century, 13th century Spain. And that's really why the Sephardic Jews never succumbed, I believe, they never succumbed to reform or enlightenment. They were held close because of the spirituality. The Ashkenazim learned that when, in the 18th century, the Ashkenazim realized that we're going to lose all of our Jews if we don't give them the spirituality. So where did they introduce spirituality? Through Chasidut, through Baal Shem Tov. So those, and where did they do? They took the Zohar... And they took their interpretation of the Zohar. You have to see the Ashkenazic interpretation of the Zohar is definitely a little different than one that's de- delivered level by level on the Sephardic side. But they needed that spirituality in order to bring the people back. So you see the, the, the celebration of Lag Omer in essence also is a celebration of, of the Zohar itself. And the Zohar brought back the Jewish people from Spain. It brought back from Europe. And it kept the Jewish people alive. And so many people tell you, you know, I don't follow Zohar. I don't go for spook stuff. But tell any single Jew who tells you that, on Friday night, what do you do between Mincha and Arbit? You say, Kabbalat Shabbat. What's the source of Kabbalat Shabbat? It's all from the mystics. It's all from... From, uh, from the Ari. So we incorporate so much of our tefillah, so much of what we do is based on the Zohar and the teachings of Rabbeinu Ha'ari. We don't even realize it. And I think Laba Omer comes to celebrate that and gives us, again, an awakening. According to the Ari, just to end, the Arizal says that what's the difference between the first 32 days and the last 70 days? We say Lev is the 32 days of the Omer and the last 17 is Tov, is good. What happens is we're on probation. When we left Egypt, we got, we got out of Egypt like we got a get out of jail free card. But then we had to get to Har Sinai 49 days later. The problem was we were on probation to get to Har Sinai. Do we really deserve it or not? When we get to Lag, it's only two weeks left. And it's almost like the warden said, boys, you're doing a good job. You're going to get a little easier. So he says the first 32 days is Dean, which is in Dean. The last 17 days, which is Tov, is Deen, which is in Chesed, which is a changed mode. And that's why, based on the, the Mukabalim, we don't get a haircut, haircut. until when? Till Shavuot, because it's all one, one total cycle.